role of CEO in leading growth? And what do sales-led leaders think about in terms of their cycles of investment and growth? I'm your host, Anna Britnell Guest, and I was fascinated to bring together two CEOs of very different organizations to learn how they're leading their companies on their growth paths. One thing that both my guests have in common, though, is a real openness and honesty and willingness to share their experiences. Alan Merritt is CEO of Arnley Systems, a leading SaaS business dedicated to particularly helping the energy sector to improve their inspection and asset management capability. Arnley became a client of mine uh, early in 2020, and I've been impressed by Alan and his team's level of leadership commitment and engagement to developing their people and their systems and their approach. Alan has years of experience leading technology companies and talks refreshingly about what he's learned along the way. Likewise, Lauren White, CEO of Bamboo Technology, who was in fact one of my first guests on my very first episode of Revenue Riser. I invited Lauren back because she's so full of great advice that she's learned through her years, rising up through the ranks at Bamboo to help shape them today as a growing ICT that's truly oriented towards helping their clients to connect and grow. It's a real pleasure listening to these two talk about and compare and share their experiences. So stay with me as we join the conversation. The headlines tend to be about the stories of stellar growth, the unicorns and so on. But we all know that for most leaders and their companies, growth is pretty hard for hard earned over quite a long period of time. And you've both experienced that in your careers at various stages. So, Lauren, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your experience at Bamboo when you became MD. There's a, there's a story there for sure. When I first stepped into the MD role, it was something I was quite excited about because having watched it almost from the sidelines as the ops director for some time, I finally felt like I'd got my hands on it. It's all too easy to think about the changes that you want to make and uh, perhaps embark on making them quite quickly. But I think one of the biggest things that you have to think about when you're certainly on a growth path or a or change of direction, which is something that I think myself and the other um, my other shareholders and board members realised was that it was an opportunity for change, for significant change, that we needed to both make sure that we had it very planned out, but also that we took the rest of the business with us on that journey. And that isn't something that's particularly easy to achieve. And what we thought would be quite a good way of doing it for us was to demonstrate it in a very visual way. I'm sure most leaders know, and I'm sure most sales leaders, when they're talking about, you know, annual incentives and what the plans are for the next year, you you stand in front of a you know crowd of people and, and hope that you engage them, you hope you may motivate them, and you hope that you enthuse them. But you never really capture everybody I don't don't think when you're just speaking so we went um, into an exercise whereby we pulled everybody into a company meeting we made it very clear that we were going to involve everybody in the process of change and we did undertake a full business review everybody was asked to do a SWOT analysis on the business and we involved everybody in lots of change programs but one of the best things that we did was in this company meeting was we wanted to illustrate how that change would take maybe slightly different paths for individuals and different departments and that there might be slightly different 
pace of change for different people. And so I sort of stood at the front and had a ball of, of string, which I cut into various uh, lengths and handed out to a number of individuals across the room, which is quite a large room. And so you can imagine some of those pieces of string were r- rather long. Um, and I chose people who were sort of in the corner of the room, perhaps a slightly quieter member of a team. I chose people at the front, gave them a, a very short piece of string. And we demonstrated really two ways that this could work. And I held the piece of string and I yanked it very, very quickly. And of course, for a lot of people who weren't expecting it, they let go of that piece of string. So we did the exercise again. And the second time we brought people round the various obstacles in the room. So obviously the desks and chairs and other people that were in the room. And really, it was just a really visual demonstration of the fact that not everybody moves at the same pace. Everybody has different challenges. Everybody has different obstacles to overcome. And not everybody responds in the same way to that kind of change process. And that, that was our way of really demonstrating that we will bring you with us but we can't move this entire business in one fell swoop. We have to do it over a period of time. We have to plan it and we have to do it as a team. And I think that was just one of the, one of the exercises that we did that really just showed everybody that growth is, you know, everybody wants to achieve it and everybody wants to achieve it quickly, but it's not possible to do that if you're going to take everybody with you. Years ago, when I first started my first tech company, to be brutally honest, you just make so many mistakes and that's fine. That's an important lesson to learn as well. You know, as you go, you make mistakes. I was effectively the CEO of the business, but I lent heavily on my chairman at the time. And and that's one of the things I learned early on was that you need that mentor. And one of the other things that you mentioned there, Lauren, about different people making progress at different rates, but we all want success as quickly as possible and uh, when I first started the business great growth great success people joining the business and so on but I'll be brutally honest and say I didn't really have a plan proper plan for the business going forward I was uh, I was just looking back now I was just sort of playing and I didn't really have a long-term plan and it was only when the first downturn you might say came that uh, I started to learn that, oh gosh, I've got to get serious about this, have long-term plans. But one of the other things that really helped me, I mentioned my chairman and my mentor at the time, he helped me make decisions really early. I th- and, and that's one of the things that stuck with me to through to today, and I hope into the future as well, whether you have hard times or whether you're in a growth phase, you need to be decisive and you need to make decisions uh, at the earliest possible opportunity and one of the other things you mentioned there about teamwork and that's really important one of the things again I wasn't particularly good at or aware of early on but now for me the most important thing in any business is the people in particular I would say the management team that you have and that's in line with also the investors or the financial backers in a business that you might have as well but everybody in the business it's it's really important that you have good people and good team dynamics across your organization and that together you can get together and make the right decisions for the business whether you're growing or whether you're seeing hard times i think i'd agree with you Alan. i think that decision making 
piece is really, really important. All too often as as leaders and perhaps just as generally and genuinely nice people, you like to give other people a chance. And sometimes not everybody is brilliant as quickly as you'd like them to be, or you don't recognize their skill sets as soon as you'd like. And so you give people a chance and sometimes you then give them another chance. And then you get to the third kind of line and you'll have somebody else, maybe like you say, your chairman or a mentor or somebody that's sort of looking at it from the outside in. I've, I've always got this thing my father-in-law once said to me, the onlooker sees more of the game. And I think that's really important to remember that, that when somebody is giving you a bit of an opinion and feedback from the outside in, it's always important to listen because typically that will be the person that will say to you, mm. you know what, either that person doesn't really quite fit with what it is that you're trying to do or that not really fitting into that role. Have you thought about how maybe you might be able to utilize them somewhere else in the business? But actually, let's not sit on the decision. Let's do something rather than letting those chances go on and on and on and on. And I think that sometimes that lack of decision making or delay in decision making has the ability to really hold back your growth plans and your development plans and your change programs. And it's all just born out of the fact that you're just trying to be nice. Totally agree. I soon learned that I didn't uh, I didn't want to be nice. No, I'm just kidding. But, you, you know, the genuine experience that I gained in the hard times meant I was able to make decisions early. And that's really hard. I think especially as a young boss in a young company, you perhaps want to continue with all the people and all the things and all the resources that you have uh, for as long as you possibly can. But I was able to take the advice of my then chairman and mentor and be able to make a quick decision. And that really, to be brutally honest, saved the company back then. And then we uh, had stellar growth two or three years after that, that sort of hard times. And we also put in place the right people in the right positions to allow us to have the right team dynamics within the management team to grow the business. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I've always thought was important in terms of being a CEO of a business is that you have an understanding of how to win business. And I've always seen myself as sales-led CEO, and it's really important that we've got the right people involved on the sales side as well to help drive that growth as we as, as, as the business evolved. I think that's a really interesting point that you've always seen yourself as a sales-led CEO, because I would say that's probably been the opposite for me. I've had to be told on countless occasions. So I've worked in, in Bamboo for 20 years nearly, and having come from an operations background right the way through, well, up until sort of seven years ago, I would say I wasn't sales-led. But of course, you forget, don't you, that every single time you present yourself, you are actually promoting and selling the business. And I think sometimes it's only when you get into those real sort of senior leadership roles that you really begin to understand that because it doesn't matter how many times somebody tells you, if you're customer facing uh, or you're audience facing, you are a salesperson fundamentally. So yeah, that's quite interesting. And I'm sure that there'll probably be a lot of CEOs out there that may not see themselves as a sales led, but as you say, it's actually part of the job. Absolutely. I actually think if You've got an operational person who becomes the CEO. If they don't, if they can't adapt to understanding that they need to be customer facing, they need to be sales led, but they don't, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be a salesperson. 
They just need to understand that they need to be customer facing and at all times they are promoting the company. They're trying to understand what it is that their customers' needs are, their challenges and so on, so that they can provide the solutions or uh, products or services to, to meet those challenges. Thinking of my own experience, you know, I came from a technology background. So my experience was not as a salesperson originally before I own and ran my own company. You know, so I think the most important thing is not being a natural sales-led CEO, but just understanding that that's the position you have to take and the emphasis, I think, you have to have within your business. There's a couple of really interesting things coming out of this for me. I want to continue down this sales thread a little bit more because, as we know, our audience for this is is largely a sales audience. But also, I think there's two there's two almost conflicting things that as a CEO you've got to got to balance. Because we started out saying, you know, apart from those few companies that achieve really really fast hyper growth, for most companies it's slow and there are ups and downs and you have points where you accelerate quite fast and points where maybe you've got to retrace your steps a little bit and, and reset. In fact, I was reminded of one of our uh, podcast episodes with Paul Zemarani of Visibo. He heads up sales. And he talked about when you come in as a new sales leader and you're tasked with driving growth and change, don't try and do everything too quickly. And as he said, actually, you'll scare your new CEO. If you try and move things too fast, and Lauren, you you really visually explained that with your story about the the string. So on the one hand, we're saying you know these things take time, and we've got to move and figure out how to how to get there. But also, Alan, you talked about being able to be decisive and making quick decisions and act quickly, recognize when you've got the right or the wrong people in the particular roles and make decisive, fast choices. So I'm quite interested, you know, perhaps as we carry on our conversation around sales, that sales piece and how you drive some of that sales growth, how do you balance those two things and, and figure out how do we go at the right pace and alter that pace according to where we are on the on the journey? For our business, it's, it's about making sure that there's buy-in across the whole of the business, and that includes the sales team. There's sort of two things there. One is there's a maturity level that the business is aiming for, and everybody needs to work towards that. And that can't just be a sort of siloed effort. And it certainly can't be something that salespeople are left out of and left to their own devices to carry on just churning through their, their usual pipelines and all the rest of it. They have to be bought into that process as well. So I think that there's that side to it, and they have to understand, I think, what the impacts are of those changes to those maturity models. I mean, why is it important to obtain an ISO accreditation actually because it enables you to be able to go into a different type of client. So I think that's quite important. It's it's just communication really as, as far as I'm concerned. But of course, there is the other bit, which is the how do you keep that going on a day-to-day basis? And maybe it just sits in the communication thing that the targets don't go away. Perhaps they shift and they change and they're reflective of the change to your business as a whole and where you're sitting in your path and in your plan. But yeah, it, it can't stop. I don't know about you, Alan. I don't know how that sort of looks in, in your business or how yeah. it has done in the past. It can sometimes take more than one iteration to get it right. <laughs> and uh, that's certainly been the case in, in my experience and and you mentioned about the sales team and the rest of the business knitting together and that's really important because in in our the business I'm in right now that wasn't the case there was a there was a disconnect 
across from sales to the rest of the business. And actually, it's taken literally years for that cohesion across the business to happen. If you don't have that, you're never going to get the growth that you're just you're just not going to get the growth and the success in the business that you need. And you mentioned Lauren there about about accreditation, and and that for me is a good example. Or we've got an example in our business right now where we're going for accreditation of a particular standard, which is on the technical side, but it is absolutely required to allow us to sell a particular type of uh, delivery of our product set. So if we don't have the technical side of the business working in harmony and in tandem with the sales side of the business, like you say, it's about communication and having the right people in the right positions and and being able to talk to one another. It's absolutely vital that you have the sales is bought into what the rest of the business is doing and vice versa. Absolutely. You, You can't have success otherwise. We had similar challenges back when we were looking at our original change program. It sounds ridiculous to even say it now, but we were in an office that was over two floors and it didn't matter which way round we moved the teams around. It, it, it just always ended up that there was a them and us. And it was always sales that were siloed from the rest of the business. And it's actually taken us going into a single floor and that's really been um, one of the things that's got everybody knitted together. And as you say, acting as a cohesive team, everybody knows what the goals are. Everybody knows what we're trying to achieve. Everyone knows why we're doing it. And part of it is just that actually, admittedly, in the last 12 months, maybe not so much, but we're actually in the same room and everybody is talking around everybody else. So you you kind of don't have this siloed effect or, well, we sales over here and because, you know, we're slightly different. Um, and we have a very different role to everybody else. Well, actually, no, if you're all aiming for the same purpose and you just understand what your individual part of that is, then I think it comes together much easier. But I was really quite surprised when I took on the MD role because I'd never noticed it necessarily in the past about the kind of physical proximity of buying and the importance of that. And that kind of sits with the communication as well. And that's uh, stating the obvious here, but that's been so much more difficult uh, over the last year with restrictions One of the things, again, I've learned, you mentioned it, Lauren, is communication. Absolutely vital. We make sure that we set goals, KPIs, goals for the business across all aspects of the business, not just sales, but people, financial, quality, safety, etc., and as they always have to be, they've got to be smart. But, you know, we, we track against them. It makes sure that everybody in the business, no matter which area of the business they're in, there are goals that they have to aim for. And they all are important towards the health and the growth of the business. Absolutely. It helps them buy in. And one of the things that we do as part of that is we have monthly meetings. We've been doing it over a video conference and teams in our case to ensure that everybody gets together. We typically have a quiz at the end of it to make sure everybody gets engaged in the, in the whole process. But that communication and the engagement through targets to achieve targets that ultimately help the business grow is absolutely vital and is all part of that communication and uh, driving growth and making sure that the different teams work together within the business. 
your point about goals is really important. And it just brought to mind one of my partners, Squadify, who have a really interesting survey tool that that helps teams to, to manage their performance. And that their catchphrase, if you like, which is great, is a star team outperforms a team of stars. And they they had London School of Economics validate some of the, the sort of the data and so on they were looking at. And what they found was that clarity, which is clarity around goals and roles and what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we're measuring ourselves. And climate, which is obviously you know, the communication, but it was, it's both soft culture and it's sort of hard systems and processes were key indicators of high-performing teams over and above competence. So competence and capability were important. You know, you're not going to be successful if you're, if you're not competent. But in and of itself, those other two factors were far more important. And yet when you actually look at teams often teams rate their competence higher than their clarity and their climate. And one of the key areas that I found myself working on with quite a number of different teams, whether that's leadership teams or functional teams, is around that clarity. And at a leadership level, at a senior exec level, CEO and that core team may be very clear about the goals you know, and what that means in terms of shareholders, customers, and all the wider stakeholders. But actually, as that scales down into the organization, then it's quite easy for there to be disconnects and people are not really quite understanding why they're doing things or exactly what the goal is or how their departmental goal or their sales target fits with the overall goal of the organization. So I think that's certainly one of the things that I've seen in in terms of driving growth is the first thing is get really clear, make sure everybody, to your point, Alan, really understands what the goals are and and what they mean for them and, and their role because otherwise you kind of got people pulling in different directions and when you're trying to make those changes they don't really understand why people can't quite get behind it in the right way and and your point about the overall goal is quite interesting because i have to admit that when i first got involved manually there's so many you know there's various issues uh, across the business and i mentioned one of them was you know the sales team being quite separate from the rest of the business but one of the other things hands up that I, I kind of missed was that overall goal for the organization. So it, it wasn't until a couple of years in that you're kind of thinking, well, I know and the management team know what we're doing here, what we're aiming for, what our overall goal here is. But, you know, a, a developer over here or a, or a sales guy over there or, you know, a project manager over there, you know, and we weren't communicating that across the entire business. So it's really important that you get that, you know, whether you call it a vision statement or a mission statement or whatever, you know, I think it's just really important that you have a clear, a clear goal and that everybody knows that and understands that. And yes, it took me a little a couple of years to get that in place, <laughs> but, uh, but we got there in the end and we're, we're benefiting from that now. You know, there's, there's definitely much more cohesion and ultimately another KPI is uh, we have uh, lower staff turnover, you know, have had for a few years now as a result. You know, people understand and, and are a bit more focused on, on what they're doing. I would say as well, I think it's quite important who delivers 
that overarching purpose and the mission and whichever way around you want to put it, whether it's mission, vision, purpose, I understand that in some businesses, some of that role is almost diluted down into the next layer of management to then translate how those KPIs relate to the individual roles. For me personally, in our business, I think it is part of my role and part of my obligation as CEO to be very clear about the overall purpose. And that's easy. Because like you said, Alan, I know what we're doing it for. And actually, a lot of it comes from my personal agenda. So it's very simple for me to talk about why we do what we do. But I think it's just as important that it's me that illustrates and makes the connection between what it is that I and my board are trying to achieve and that individual role. And whilst we can't do it for every individual person, what we can certainly do is translate it at a departmental level. So why is it important that actually our customer service response times are less than 30 minutes? Well, it matters because actually it translates all the way back to the fact that we said that we will provide a service and a technology that improves people's lives. Well, if you don't back that off with excellent service, then we're not doing what we said we were going to do. And of course, that then translates into better sales, and good word of mouth, good referrals and all the rest of it. But yeah, I think it's really important who it comes from as well as what it is. It's interesting to see that that joining up between management, board management and all layers in your organisation right through to the graduates. But it goes the other way as well, the customer, because it's it's also easy to forget, you know, what the customer wants. And uh, you know, one of the reasons we got some assistance from you, Anna, last year in terms of we put together an elite development program for our sales team, but we also included all the management team because it was, it's really important. It, was, it goes back to this whole thing of making sure that as many people as practically possible are involved in that. But also it's about we've got to think about what the customer wants. We're there to service the customer why are we there why are we why do we have a product what is it achieving what challenge is it overcoming for the customer your goal and your mission it can even change which then feeds back down across your entire organization right through all, all of the various uh, teams you have in your organization so yes there's that internal communication but there's also that external communication as well and relating to your customers at all times. Let me bring in another angle to that as well, because I think thinking about what the customer needs and and what customers are going to need in the future is very close to my heart, as you both know. But also when you go through these growth stages, Lauren, you've talked about this, it's not just about growing, you've got to invest in order to grow. And so what the customer needs and tracking trends of customers and thinking about that is is a key part of planning where do you need to invest and where do you need to to shift the organisation. So Lauren, do you want to just talk a little bit about what that investment stage looks like and how you manage that, particularly when everything else is in flight? And to to your point, Alan, about being sales-led, you can't just call a halt to what you're selling you you've got to move and steer the ship you know while it's moving indeed it's actually um quite a common misconception as well when people talk about growth and i've been asked about this quite a lot recently actually particularly over the pandemic period how's the business done have you grown da, 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 da. and growth isn't always about increasing your revenue or increasing your bottom line growth is i think i sort of mentioned it earlier is also about your your maturity levels and taking your business from a particular standpoint that you might be at and recognizing where you need to get to in order to actually accelerate your growth so you need to get yourself 
yourself to the right platform to move on to the next phase. And it does take time. And yeah, it takes resource which obviously includes the uh, the M word of money. And I think that a lot of the time people are very quick to judge. I mean, I, I would quite openly say that if you look back at some of our figures over the last seven years, you now we had a couple of years there where our P&Ls didn't look great. And you know what? It was okay because it was completely planned. And now we are in a business that has a fantastic platform for growth and we're now doing all the things that we wanted to do. But that isn't something that happens overnight. That is a, a long period of time. And like you said, there are some business, some unicorn businesses that suddenly, you know, the click of your fingers, you know, they're delivering astronomical numbers. But for most of us, that's not the reality. The reality is it takes a lot of hard graft and it takes a lot of reinvesting profits back into the business, taking a hit, um, taking the critique for taking the hit um, and then having to tell the story because, you know, that's always a thing that you've got to do. And particularly if you're looking at acquisition or R&D funding or anything like that, you have to be able to tell the story of your history because, um, typically, people aren't necessarily looking at your forward numbers to make a judgment on you. They're looking at your backwards numbers. It's great. We'd love to kind of sit with our with our forecasts and say, we're going to be over here in 18 months time, but nobody's going to make a judgment on you on that basis. They're going to look backwards. So I just think it's a really important point that growth isn't always about growing the numbers. It's about growing that internal maturity of the business and looking at those skill sets, and making sure that you actually get the business to the right platform for where you want to go. I think that's right. From our lease perspective, we've spoken about investing in people and communicating across the business and making sure you are decisive and have the right people in the right place. But yeah, investment in your people, in the training of your people, and I spoke a little bit about that a couple of minutes ago, but also Army is a software product business. So investment in our product. You know, some businesses, you know, the, the, the model of it will be, right, here's a ton of money, off you go and invest it in your product uh, over the next year or 18 months or whatever it is, and you, you just pour resources at it. But certainly uh, at r Lee, it's a continuous cycle of investment, taking what we earn and feeding it back into our product and Technology is always moving ahead, so it's really important that we continually invest in our product and our people to ensure that our product is as high a quality as it can possibly be. For me, investment, as you've just said, Lauren, isn't something which is a, is a, is a one-off activity that just provides hyper-growth for the company. It's something that's a continual cycle to ensure that we keep up to date that we keep our products relevant and the constant demands of our customers that are changing as well uh, can, can continue to be met. We've talked around a lot of different topics, all kind of pointing into some of those key areas that you've both touched on in terms of, I think, you know, having a plan, communicating it, being clear to everybody what that goal is. And Lauren, I, I think your point around who delivers that and making sure the message isn't diluted so people really get it, I think is really, really important. And that point about those investment cycles and investing in products and people and the things that are going to make you successful and the growth, the investment and growth don't necessarily happen or rarely happen at the same time. It's, you know, one is it's cause and effect, isn't it? And thinking about some of these things happen quickly and you need to be decisive and other things are going to take time and several iterations and, you know, you don't always get it right 
first time or even second time always. So there's a lot there to think about. What would be your parting comments or, or observations to uh, to somebody listening to this? I jumped in first because I'm fairly certain that Alan is going to say the same thing. So I think that it's the tip for me is it is OK to make mistakes because actually you need to to learn from them. And I would say it might be OK to make the same mistake twice, but don't make it a third time. Oh, did you just steal my thunder? Or, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, you know, I've mentioned about the importance of people. For me, it's all about people. So making sure that you have the right people in the right positions. And it's not just about the individuals. It's about the team dynamic as well. So, it's, you know, you've got to get the balance of uh, personalities and characteristics right across that. So in addition... To what Lauren said, I would say it's all about the people. Thank you both. And I think I would conclude my takeaway. And Lauren, I'm coming back to your pieces of string and, and that really nice analogy of it takes different people, different amounts of time to get there. And there are different obstacles for different individuals or different teams along the way. I think one of the things that I've really seen working with different companies that are trying to go through change and growth cycles is that it's really important to have that clear goal and know where you're trying to get to and and having a strategy and, and a plan around what does that look like. But coming back to that, it takes time to do it. You know, what are the tactical things that you can do that are all going to add up, that are going to take you in the right direction, but not trying to bite off too much too quickly because people can't absorb it. And, you know, a lot of that when you're developing people and products, it's iterations and it's habits and it's doing things consistently and figuring out what works, what doesn't work, et cetera. And trying to do too much too quickly is what we all try and do, but it rarely actually gets us where we want to in the quickest possible route. So thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. As always, it's just really interesting to share ideas. I think there's loads of really valuable things to take away for both CEOs and also revenue leaders as well to think about how they're driving change in their business. So thank you both very much. Thank you again to both of my guests. Lots to think about as a leader wherever you are in that investment and growth cycle. Whether you've just discovered Revenue Riser or you're becoming a regular listener, thank you for joining us. I've really set myself a mission of bringing fresh, real-world content to help revenue leaders like you to find your own path to success. So if you like what you hear, then head over to RevenueRiser.com to sign up for our Revenue Riser newsletter, where I'm going to be sharing lots of relevant additional content and links to further help you. Next time, I'm talking to Matt Phelan of the Happiness Index and Kathy Belford of UserZoom. We'll be taking a slightly different angle on things in that conversation, but I know the growth cycle is still an integral and important part of what we'll be discussing. So please join me there and bye for now.